um, remote, but here I am remotely in the Philippines doing a podcast. And uh, I've got a ton of questions that have been asked asked of me in TikTok, and I'm going to answer some of those live. Hopefully the sound is good. If this one doesn't work out, I'll just go ahead and delete it. But we're going to go ahead and try this. All right. So let me see. Going through my questions. I know in the U.S. right now, it's really I normally do these live at the same time, you know, in the U.S., like one o'clock. And right now it's like eight, nine o'clock in the U.S. And in here it's it's morning time. Well, it's, it's afternoon. It's like 10 o'clock. But we're going to go ahead and try to do this. See if this works out. Yep, there it is right there in a high-rise hotel. Okay, first question that I got from TikTok. And uh, let me see here. This one is getting a lot of interaction from, from TikTok. Let me see here. Somebody said they responded to my video about making a lot of money in cybersecurity, how cybersecurity makes really pretty good money if you get the right job. They said... They agreed. They said, yeah. They said CS to the money is good. CS is uh, computer science. Is, yeah, I would agree with that. Hey, David, how are you? Um, cyber, and then computer science, though, is, is pretty broad, but normally it has to do with um, software engineering. Software engineering is a really good career path to go in, especially nowadays. It's pretty hot. The only only thing I would say is that it depends. Just like cybersecurity, when you talk about um, when you talk about computer science and software engineering, it's a really broad. This a really broad field because now you're talking about different languages that you're gonna actually write in. Like if if you're talking about writing in C versus a web designer, it's a totally different career. You know, like it's still soft software engineering but it's so different uh how do you how do you go from a sock to a knock so where are you right now are you in a network operating center i can only speak from experience my experience in a sock so i i worked in a sock when i was um a few years back at knock life could you could you give me some Explain to me, like, what what do you see in a knock in a, in a network operating center? And, and as you're typing that, let me explain what's in a security operating center, in my experience. So security operating center, their focus is on looking at logs. So what I mean by that is they're looking at, they're monitoring, they're doing continuous monitoring throughout the whole enterprise with their focus on security incidents. Obviously, not every all the logs that you see are security incidents. It's mostly it's mostly false positives. Mostly people just log in like normal. And the software that you're using, like a Seam technology, like Splunk or something like that, it's sometimes flagging on normal activity uh, and seeing that as a security incident. So the focus is on actually finding and sorting through security incidents. That's your focus in a security operating center. And that being said, it takes a, a human to sit there and actually delineate between normal activities that's supposed to be on the network and activity that's not supposed to be on the network. So for that, 
your skill set is going to be in network packet analysis um incident handling the process of incident handling and incident response like what do you do if you get like um uh, malware on the network things like that and who do you contact what how do you isolate it things like that like that that whole process you have to know um so i would so number one knowing that stuff will be something like a gi giac now google this you go to google type in giac giac it's a sans certification giac um and it's called incident handling and they've got several certifications that if you got that now they're not cheap but if you got that certification you, you're they're going to throw these sans they're going to throw these uh, sock positions at you so they want you to know network analysis they want you to know um, how to do network um, network forensics that means like taking a packet breaking it down with something like a wire sniffer uh, breaking it down with something like a packet sniffer and then being able to break that packet down and figure out okay is somebody has somebody tampered with this packet has somebody like you want to be able to go that deep with it and something like a, a GIAC um, certification will help out a lot with that so CEH is, a, is another good one a lot of hackers kind of talk crap about it but the HR departments know what that is and that means a lot so you want to be heavy in conduct and being able to break a, a packet apart and figure out if this is a if this is a, a security incident or not that's probably the big difference and you said let me see what you said with a knock it says all I do in a knock is basically one to through three layer troubleshooting uh, SSH into routers uh, check configs and interfaces okay so you're you're like looking at network devices, internet working devices, and making sure that they're backed up properly, making sure that the configurations aren't blocking anything on them that's coming in and out of the network, making sure the enterprise enterprise is flowing like it's supposed to, making sure that the uh, the functionality of the network is good. That's the kind of stuff you're doing in a NOC, a network operating center. So you're looking at maintaining the operations of the network itself, making sure everything is good making sure the configs are good, all that kind of stuff, right? So SOC is different. Like your focus is on is on security incidents. So security incident, look this up. Incident handling. Incident handling, that's a big one with, um, with SOC. When I worked at the SOC, the reason they picked me up was because I had a, a CISSP. I had experience with network. I had a net background in networking. I had a... Um, I had experience with um, firewalls. I had like this huge. I have I have a lot of I have had my hands in a lot of different things, and so they picked me up because I had experience with all these different things. So I, I knew I'd touched IDSs, IPSs before. I looked at logs on different on servers, on endpoint devices. I had all this different uh, experience. But when I got in there, I found that. I wasn't the smartest guy on the block by any stretch of the imagination, even with all my experience. The guys who were the, the guys who knew the most, were the people who had, had taken that GIAC certification. They they got an incident handling certification that's really really good. Uh, incident handling certificate. Let me see if I can figure out what that one is real quick. 
topic. It's an incident handling certification. And you guys, if you don't know what I'm talking about, tell me, tell us in the uh, comments here. It's called G S I. Okay, one's called G C I H, and it's a uh, incident handling. See, G C I H. The G C I H guys were some of the top because they were intimately familiar with what to do with incidents and how to identify the incidents and then what to do. So they really knew the process. So those guys would a lot a lot of times would be like management type people figuring out where to put people and pro and 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 make sure that everything's going smoothly and quickly when we're dealing with some kind of an incident. The other one, the most valuable one was a GCIA, I believe it was. Google that. The GCIA certification, not, like I said, these are not cheap. It's an open book it's a test from SANS. And it's on another level when it comes to packet analysis and some of the tools that you, you use for doing network forensics it goes really deep into all the layers of the OSI model and all the layers of the TCPIP stack and, and, and things like that. That's how deep you're going with the packet analysis to determine if some um, advanced, advanced persistent threat is getting into the network. That's how deep it goes. But that being said, you don't have to be um, intimidated by that. The thing you really need to know, like that you can get for free right now that you can research is incident handling. No, you have to know incident handling. Uh, if you can get a certification in that, not even SANS, any kind of incident handling cert, that will help you. But if you just know the process like in the interview, because they're going to ask you that. They're going to be like, well, have, what's your experience with incident handling? Right. But if you can, if you say, well, I don't have experience with it, but here's what incident handling is, that will help you out a lot. And just your experience dealing with the network is huge. That's a huge piece. You just have to know how to put that into your resume. If you can put that in your resume and put like how and show how much knowledge, you know, of networking. Huge. If you have a, a, a CCNA or any kind of networking certification, that's also huge because that helped me to get in that position because I had a, uh, I had a CCNA when I went there. So CCNA means I knew, like even though these guys were start speaking another language with network and uh, forensics, I knew what they were talking about because I had a, I had intimate knowledge with the, the with the TCP IP uh, protocols and I knew, uh, I knew what packets were and stuff like that. So how do you go, the question was, how do you go from a knock position to a sock position? There's a few things you need to know. Number one, you need to know incident handling, all right? You need to know things, get intimately familiar with packet analysis. Use things like Wireshark. Um, I would get a security, some sort of security uh, certification under your belt. Doesn't have to be a SANS course because those are really expensive, but even just a security plus just to know, they wanna know that you know um, security best practices. Really, really important to know security best practices in a sock you're going to a security operating operating center so you need they need to know that you know security right so those are those probably are the main things to start and and as you go deeper into this uh, uh you'll start to know that you realize you need more a little bit deeper knowledge of uh of this the security side of the house but the focus is on security because you're in the security operating cent uh, center so I hope that answers you. I hope that helps you out a little bit. Uh, let me see. Somebody said, 
Brandon says, uh, hi Bruce, I just started my very first job in the ISSA. Oh man, congratulations on that. It's a great path. I've been doing it for years. He said, I just completed my categorization, but I don't seem to know how to tailor out the controls in step two. Please help. Okay, I can really help with this. Number one, let me pay some bills real quick. If you are in the same position, you're, you're a new ISO, you want to know what's going on, you want to know how, the gotchas, how to uh, uh, dodge all the, the problems that I had in the beginning, all the mistakes I made, go to combocourses.com, look for a course called Risk Management Framework for ISOs, Information System Security Officers Foundations. That course focuses intimately on what you do as an ISO, as an ISO going through all of the seven steps of the risk management framework process from preparation to all the way to continuous monitoring. What do you, and it's all from the perspective of an ISO and it's not nebulous. You know how you, you read these special publications, you read the FIPS and it sounds like it's written for a PhD, like somebody's trying to go for a PhD or something. They're a master's degree trying to go to a P. So it's a lot of like nebulous philosophies about security. I don't speak like that. So I, I tell you in plain English what to do, how this works in layman's terms uh, from the perspective of an information system security officer. Go ahead and check it out. It's on combocourses.com. Go look for the ISO Foundations course and that's exactly what I'm, I go deep into it, including downloadables and things. Okay, so let me ask this, answer this question. You said, how do you tailor the controls in step two? So if you guys don't know what Brandon is talking about, the, he's talking about the risk management framework for the NIST 800. So it breaks it down into seven uh, different steps. The first two steps, the first step is preparation. Some people say it's step zero because you're just getting ready. You're getting the organization ready, contacting people you need to contact for the whole process because it, it's very expensive, it's very time consuming and it involves everyone in the organization who's involved with that particular system. Okay, that's number one. Step, step zero is preparation. Step two is categorization. What does that mean? That means security categorization. What level of impact does my information on my system have to the rest of the organization? That's the focus. In other words, if this system went down, would it hurt our organization? Would people lose their life? Would the, organi would the organization lose millions of dollars? Would the country lose credibility? What is the impact of the system? Think of it like this. If you had a web system, a web server that's just serving out public information, of course you need to protect it, right? Because somebody could hack it, change the information on it. But if it went down, is it is it going to really hurt anybody? Is it going to No, it's, it'll be embarrassing, but what do you do? You're just going to reboot the system, put another system out there, you're good to go. Make sure that nobody gets back in there, make sure there's no denial of service attack or whatever. Fix it, get it up and everything's good. Right. As opposed to a system, let's say, that is tracking troop movements in a, in a combat zone. Right. If this system got compromised, people can literally die. So we're talking about impact levels when you're talking about security categorization. What is the impact level of the system? So that's that's the, uh, the next step in the risk management framework process. Now, what Brandon's talking about is the next step, which is selection of security controls. Selection of the security controls is based completely uh, well, in part, it's foundational. It's founded on the security categorization, meaning 
once you figure out whether you have a low impact system like the web server I just talked about or the troop movement system, a high impact system, like if that system went down, people might die. That tells you what controls to choose from in the NIST 853 group of controls, right? That's step one. Now when you're tailoring those out to get your, to your question, Brandon, there's a couple things. Number one is the environment. The environment is going to be very different from, for example, I was working at Verizon and um, doing a security. They have a, a cybersecurity risk program. And we had some clients, without telling anything about any clients I worked with, obviously, <laughs> but we had some clients who had wireless and some clients who had didn't have wireless, but they had remote uh, access. And then some clients that didn't have any one of those things. Each of those have a different environment, so the controls are going to be tailored differently. For the example, and with somebody with wireless, obviously we'd have to tailor in the the wireless controls, which would be AC. I don't know if it's AC 17. I can't remember which one it is. But it, the AC controls that are dealing with wireless, those were pertain to that system, right? But obviously, if you had a system that didn't have the wireless in there, that's out. So that's number one is in the environment of the system. What kinds of things are in the environment do you have multiple sites if you have multiple sites some of the controls that you might have to use would be things like disaster recovery do you have an alternate site you might have to have one because if you have a system that's in say california on the fault line and you have an earthquake like here i'm in the philippines right now they had a 7.3 uh earthquake in manila if you had a system that was in right on the fault line of the 7.3 and it took out that building, boom. We have to have an alternate site. So those controls would apply to that, as opposed to a system that didn't have any of those things. It didn't have, uh, uh, it wasn't in a disaster zone. It, there's no, it's not gonna be any cataclysmic events or anything. They might not have to have alternate sites. So environment is an important one. So number one, we talked about um, categorization, right? That's key because we need to know what level the system is. Number two, environment. Another thing is technology, and a lot of people don't talk about this one, but the technology used is important. And, and a specific example of this, the solution would be, uh, a technology solution would be whether the organization is using multi-factor uh, authentication versus username password. Two different things, but if you have multi-factor authentication with say biometrics involved, you have different controls that have to be implemented different enhancements of controls. So it's number one, the tailoring the controls, knowing which controls to use, of course, is security categorization, which you already know, Brandon. The other one would be environment. Where is the system located? Are there any kind of flood zones or is there anything that we should know? And then the network environment, like do what technologies do we need? Do we have wireless? Do we have remote? Those are different controls that are also going to have to be tailored in or tailored out, depending on the situation of the network environment. Then the other thing is the the solutions that are necessary for that particular system. Because if you had a system that had, say, multi-factor authentication mm -hmm. with biometrics, there's going to be controls that you need that you wouldn't necessarily need if you didn't have biomet biometrics. So those are three things off the top of my head that you would that you would use to tailor in the controls or tailor out the controls. Another thing, Brandon, uh, that I don't see talked about a lot is if you had a 
if you had specialized systems, like if you, for example, if you had a healthcare system that had um, that you you had a uh, healthcare tools, like you had specialized equipment that's used for healthcare, and it, and HIPAA is very important because it's collecting, say, X-rays. Like X-rays are very, you know, that's very personal to that person. So HIPAA's laws are going to be applied. So you might have to tailor in some controls. Tailoring means is a fancy word for bring in some or take out take to think of when you think of tailoring think about a suit like this suit does this suit fit me right do, do these sleeves are these sleeves long enough you're tailoring you're fixing the suit so that the sleeves fit you so that the neckline is is nice with nist 800 you're going to tailor all of the security controls to fit that particular system so think about the environment Think about the solution. Think about the size of the network. Think about the location. All of those things are factors to determine whether or not you need these particular controls or you don't. And then when you're tailoring them in, one thing we did at NASA was that we would just put NA. Like if we had a system that, that had no wireless, we'd put NA on that particular group of controls that pertain to wireless. Or if it had no remote access in or out, we'd say NA, not applicable to this particular system because we don't have, we don't allow wireless here. So I hope that answers your question. Let me see if Brandon has any other ones. My system is used for data backup. Yeah, that's real. Okay, so so if you had a system for data backup, and let's say if it was an alternate system, it's an alternate site and it's only used for backups. So you, you don't need wireless. You don't need, nobody's remotely accessing it. Maybe I'm not sure, you know, what you're going on with your system. Anything that's not relevant to that system, you tailor those out. And so when you were going down the list, you just put not applicable. Not that's what we would do at NASA. Like we say, okay, this doesn't apply, and here's why. And then sometimes you put NA, like if you were in EMAS, like if you're putting this all this information in EMAS is a, it's a GRC system that documents all the controls. So there's other types of uh, GRC systems such as Exacta and uh, RSA Archer and it's basically a database where you collect all the security controls so that's what EMAS is so anyway if you're putting all this stuff in there you put we would put NA not applicable you I use EMAS okay so you put not applicable in there and then you explain why it's a backup system and there's no remote access to this particular system like let's say you were doing AC 17 which I think is remote uh, if memory serves, it's remote uh, access. We don't remotely access this system. It's a backup system. All remote access is done on the system that's in the front. That's something you could, you would just explain, put not applicable, and here's why. And that was it. And then when, uh, say, the upper management sees it, management or whoever is going to review your stuff, or a, maybe you have a security control assessor, they see it, they would be like, okay, I see why this is not applicable, right? Or they might say, no, this is applicable because X, Y, and Z, and then you can go back and forth and say, well, okay, um, how do we word this then? You know, wordsmith to say, We're, wireless is not used on this as a backup system, you know? So I hope that answers your question. Um, the tailoring of the controls, this is kind of a put a cap on this kind of conclude that conversation the tailoring of that of all controls is done with the it's not done in a vacuum you, this is something you're going to do with the team you as the cybersecurity person would say here's why i made this not applicable and here's an explanation and then you would present that to the team and then they would 
the organization is going to decide whether it's not applicable or not. Ultimately, they're the ones who's and if they say, well, it is applicable, then they should probably try to explain that. Like, OK, could you explain why? What do we put in this? Can, what what do we put in this um, this statement here? This this um, imp, what is it called? Implementation statement. What do we put here? I'll go to that to get that course. Yeah, get the course. And Brandon, here's here's another thing, man. If you have any questions whatsoever, um, as you're going through the course, any kind of extra specifically like dealing with your system, hit me up, man. My my contact information is contact at convocourses.com. Normally, if it's basic questions, you know, and I'm not coming in to do consulting on your particular system, I'll answer any questions that you have. Sometimes I'll do a specific video. If it's something that everybody needs, I'll do a video, you know, an additional video to, to the course or just for you even. So um, thanks for that question, Brandon. I really appreciate that. Um, let me see here. Some people got some other questions here. AL said, uh, working on the A+, Security+, Plus, CCNA, and a Red Hat Certified System Administrator? All right. That's great, man. I'd say among all of those, CCNA is probably... One of the most CCNA and Security Plus are the most valuable of those, um, depending on what organ. Well, it depends on where you're going to go, um, or what what you're going to do. GCIA, I'm going to have my hands full. Um, out of all these, AO, like which one are you focused on? Which certification out of A Plus, Security Plus, CCNA, um, Red Hat certification, and GIAC? Which one are you kind of really focused on? Because you should probably focus on one at a time. In my opinion, with certifications, the only thing I would say is make sure that you are, make sure that it's pertaining to whatever, whatever role you're going to do. Like if, obviously, if you're going to be a Red Hat administrator, the Red Hat one's probably going to be the most important one. As opposed to if you're going to be, if you're going to go into SOC, if you're going to go into a security operations center, you're going to want to know incident handling inside now. So the GIAC one will probably be the best one for you. One of the GIAC SAN certifications such as incident handling, um, GCIH or the GCIA would be better for a SOC analyst role as opposed to doing something like what I'm doing. What out of the ones you just mentioned, the security plus would be the best one. If you were a network engineer, the CCNA wouldn't. So you, Whatever role you're gonna you're focusing, whatever career path you're doing, is gonna be where you want to focus your time for your certification. Just just put my two cents in there. Uh, Joseph says, dude. First of all, thank you for your vids. Help helps give me some insight into the risk management framework ISO stuff. And just got tricked into being an ISO <laughs> as currently the jack of all trade. You know, that's how it works, Joseph. Uh, you're in good company because that's the same thing that happened to me. I got tricked into it. Um, I crossed, I was in the Air Force when this happened. I was active duty and uh, I was all excited. I was like, oh man, I'm gonna be a Unix administrator. I'm gonna be like Bill Gates. I'm gonna invent some shit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah, I had all these aspirations of what I was gonna do and my talent and stuff. And then what did they do? They stuck me in certification and accreditation. In a cube, in a cube with no windows, on a skiff, on a classified network where I couldn't interact with anybody, and I'm sitting there reading policies. I'm like, what the, f the hell is this? <laughs> what the f like? What this isn't Bill Gates? This isn't Microsoft? This isn't Linux? It's not. This isn't inventing new things. This is. I was mad. I was upset, 
And I'm just reading through policies and policies. And it was torture. It was like I was being tortured to death with boredom. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like researching uh, cert regulations that are 20 years old. And I'm like, it was torture, man. It wasn't fun. But what I found is I was good at it because I, had, I have a long patience. If you have good patience for this job, Joseph, speaking directly to you, sir, this job takes a lot of patience. The rewards in the end are great. Uh, let, me, let me just explain to you the rewards. Right now, I'm in another country. Let me see if I can flip this camera around. This right here is a result of me being an information system security officer for many, many years and having a lot of patience. Um, what do I mean by that? I'm able to travel the world and in a few days I'm going to another country. I'm going to Bali. Um, I can travel because I was, I've been a cybersecurity person for so long that I was able to save enough money and create businesses and stuff around what I do. Like this is all what I'm doing here is all part of a business I created. It's a side income. It's a side hustle. It doesn't make a lot of money, but it's enough to where I can I can actually the income streams are enough to where I can live off of this. Um, and what I'm saying is I'm not telling you to, oh, go start a course, go do this or that. No, you can do real estate, man. Like you, like the money that I used for, from doing this stuff, from all those times that I was locked away in a closet reading regulations and having patience with difficult customers because you're gonna have to deal with that too. It allowed me to reinvest my money to have more time in my life and to travel and to be around people that I love. That's what this whole thing's about. It's not really about the, that's what I learned. It, when I was younger, I was like, oh, Bill Gates. I'm gonna, cause I looked up to, you know, all these geeks and stuff and I wanted to be like them. But what I realized is, man, that shit doesn't matter, man. What really matters is time, not money. What really matters is time, your time. If you put the time in now and sacrifice for, for your, kids, your family, or whatever, you know, your significant other, whatever the case may be, yourself. When you get later in life, like myself, I, I now have more time because I was able to leverage all of those hard hours, use some of that money that I made to put it into real estate, start businesses, help other people in my life. That was, that's been my main, the main thing I've done is help other people to grow. And that means a lot to me. When I'm on my deathbed, one of these days, I'm no longer here. That'll be the thing that, I, that I'm most proud of, is that I was able to help other people to get into another level of their life and make their life easier. When, you, when you're doing this job as an information system security officer or compliance or whatever, and you're just thinking, this freaking sucks, just think of it like this. Everything you're doing now is planting the seeds for for other for your life later on uh, to have more time for yourself and to have for your family. I'm in. I'm get offered all these high paying positions, and what I do with that money is I invest it for other people to have a better life. My life is good, man. I'm I'm gonna be good for the. I, I don't know. I've been blessed. I've been blessed with long patience. And enough patience to learn things. I'm not a genius. I just have more patience than most people. I just, I'm just willing to keep reading it over and over again. That's it. 
I'll read it 50 times if it takes that amount of time for me to learn it and I have the patience to do it. That's it. I'm not a genius. I'm not fucking Elon, Elon Musk. You know, him and I are about the same age, by the way. And I, you know, I'm not him. I just read stuff over and over again until I understand it. I'm a very average person who's been given exceptionally long patience to learn things and I use the power of that to help other people. And now you have the same, you have the same thing given to you, man. Appreciate it. I mean, it took me a long time to appreciate this, but now I appreciate it. And Joseph says, uh, knowing all what it entails, it gives me a super underpaid, I feel super underpaid. And Joseph, here's the thing. What you want to do right now is gather the experience because the experience that you're getting right now is extremely valuable. Build it up. If you keep that job for about six months, when you put that shit on your resume, the, I'm it's going to change your life. It will change your life. The experience you're gaining, you're going to be giving crazy offers because nobody wants to do this. Nobody knows about it. Nobody wants to do it. And now you're doing it. And you're going to put six months of your time into this. And by the time you're done, in six months, that's more time. Obviously, that's more experience you're going to get. Make sure you put that shit on your resume, by the way. A lot of times people make the mistake of not putting cybersecurity on the resume. But you are in a position where you have to know the families of controls in the NIST 800 to where all that's the, that's the exact stuff they want to see on your resume. By the way, the families of controls, think about it. Uh, AC controls is access control. Access control is basic cybersecurity. All this stuff is security best practices that people do not put on their resume. And then they wonder, why am I can't I get into cybersecurity? I'm in IT. I've been doing this for 20 years. Why? Because it's not on their damn resume. You're in a position where you're literally doing all the security best practices for large organizations. And they are trusting you with helping to architecture Architecture, architecture, Ar Ar you know what I mean. You're helping, <laughs> you're helping them put their infrastructure together uh, with security in mind. That is what you're doing. So right now you may be being underpaid, but this experience that you're going to get is very valuable. And it will it'll get you very quickly to six figures, very quickly. Um, and along the way, I would recommend that you get a professional level certification not easy to get but it's worth your time a CISSP is what I highly recommend top of the food chain another one would be the CASP that's another professional level certification another one if you don't want to get those ones another one would be the CISA another one would be the C-RISC from ISACA another one would be ISC2 CAP I hope you're writing this stuff down or rewind it whatever you got to do but these all these certifications are going to help you to get money whenever you're sitting there in that underpaid position put that stuff on your resume all every line of experience that you have pertaining to this in this role is very very valuable and they're gonna pay you a lot of money to do it and especially if you have a, a security clearance by the way um, Brandon says please hire me to work with you I'm dead serious you know Brandon if I ever get the uh, if I ever get the um, opportunity to tr do like a contract work or something. I've been actually been thinking about reaching out to this network of people to bring people in to help me to to uh, do some some it's something I've been thinking about. So don't get your hopes up like I might have the opportunity 
you never know like i've been getting some crazy offers and stuff so you, you never know uh joseph says that's definitely my goal a goal of mine uh for sure i appreciate the positivity good vibes and positivity goes a long way thanks a bunch you're welcome yep been studying for the cissp failed it a couple years back but I'm I'm back on the horse, man. Don't stop. It's worth it, man. That that CISSP combination of CISSP and the uh, the a combination of CISSP and I and knowing information system security officer stuff has changed my life significantly. I'm not without a job. The only re like right now I'm in between jobs. Now keep now let me just let me just share with you this. I do not I right now I do not have a job. I'm in another country. And I'm able to do this because over time, I was able to create a bunch of other business, uh, other revenue streams, doing all kinds of t completely unrelated businesses uh, that I do on the side. By the way, a lot of the security guys that I know are do the same thing. They all have these side hustles. I don't know what it makes us do this. I don't know why 90% of the people who I talk to have some sort of side hustle. I'm not sure why that's so because I don't see that with IT people. I don't see regular IT people typically doing this. But every time I talk to another cybersecurity person, they always have some kind of side hustle. And it's not like they're broke. I don't know what I don't know what drives us to be like this. I'm not sure. But I know a dude who is making five figures on the side here and there doing NFTs. Almost all of them are into cryptocurrency. Uh, some of them are doing real estate on the side, have side businesses. They all make six figures. So I don't know like why, what is happening? I'm not sure like why we have this independent spirit. I'm not sure what's going on with it, but I've had it from the beginning. And I can, I can only speak for myself. Um, the reason why I do is because I don't trust companies. Companies are not what they used to be. And I'm not trying to be negative or anything, but uh, they don't have your back. They don't care about your family. I'm jaded. <laughs> you gotta take care of yourself. So that's what I learned. And so you, you gotta take care of what you gotta do for you and your family and you can't. I, the other day I saw a TikTok video with this girl, this woman was, was crying because she got let go by Salesforce or something I don't know it was a good company and they they were doing these massive layoffs I don't know if it was zoom or sales it's one of these really good companies and they did this massive layoff and she's crying and I wanted to just laugh because it had happened to me something like that I didn't cry about it but uh, her like she put so much of her hopes and dreams in this company and I want to laugh because I, I knew like her her dreams were dashed you know it's like what were you thinking i was that person like i thought that once i got out of the military i was gonna make all this money and go to this company companies don't care about you um nobody cares about you except for you nobody cares about you more than you care about yourself take the time to reinvest in your own future and don't put your eggs in one basket that's great if you have a 401k, especially if they do 401k matching, something like that, or you want to you want to do stocks or something like that. Listen, have a side hustle, because I maybe it was because of I've been through so many hard times that forced me to think differently. I just 
I just don't, I'm not 100% invested in the corporate world, the corporate life. I don't think that they care about us. I don't think they're obligated to care about. They don't have to care about you. It's a private organization in you know, some cases. The public, and then the, the government ones, I mean, they'll, they, they're more stable, I would say, but you know, there's nothing to stop them from laying you off too. So <laughs> uh, have a side hustle, you know, like if you can. Take care of yourself. Don't expect anyone uh, to give you anything because they're not obligated to. And they don't have to. Like, the, look at this world, man. You got lions eating cubs. You think that that's different from nature, man? Nature is hardcore. And it doesn't change because, what, we made it human civilization? I'll get off my soapbox here. Just, just take care of yourself. That's all I'm trying to say. Uh, let me see. Uh, some of us are working two IT jobs also. Yeah, I understand that, uh, Kamar. Um, I did that at one point. I will never do that again. Two IT jobs, unless they were like both part-time or something. That was really hard. Um, Axiom says, yeah, I think of myself as a business contractor by another business, even though I'm on a W-2. Um, no no one is, is going to take care of your, your career like you will. That's that's exactly my, my mentality with the axiom. No, nobody's obligated to help you. Nobody's obligated to come. Nobody's going to come to the rescue. No, I'm not waiting for some political party to come in power and help help to do anything. I'm not help. I'm not thinking that there's going to be a revolution of the nation to help. I just don't. I'm 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 just a real. I'm realistic about what's happening in the course that we're going. As a species, not, I'm not talking about all this political stuff or whatever. That's irrelevant. What I'm saying is that ultimately, there's one thing that's gotten me from here to there, and that's taking care of myself. Taking care of myself and doing for, and not expecting anything from anyone, from any government organization, from any individuals, from family, from friends. Doing it myself. Now, if I pay someone to do a task for me. You know, and puts and have people on my team, people I can trust and stuff. That's great. That's great. And anytime somebody gives me, I get a grant or something, or if I can get a loan from a bank or you know, some angel investor comes out of nowhere and helps me. That's that's awesome. But I'm not looking. I'm not saying okay. Once I get this bag, once I scratch this lottery ticket, it's gonna change everything. Nobody's coming for us, man. We gotta do for ourselves. That's the harsh reality. You be blessed. If someone, if you can find someone on your team who you can trust, who's loyal, or if you have, happen to have a spouse or a, a, extreme, a best friend or you have a, maybe somebody in your family you're close to who you can trust to start a business with or something. Let me tell you, that's some, something super rare. If you find that person, man, you hold on to that person. If, if you guys have an argument, man, work that shit out because that's rare. But uh, yeah, the rest of this world, man, I don't care about you. Nobody cares. <laughs> you got to care for yourself. If somebody does, that's great. That's great. But but you should see that as a as a blessing. Like, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And then continue to do as much as you can for yourself because this is it's hard. It's it's hard out in these streets. That's just what I tell my kids. I'm like, nobody's gonna help you. I'm the only person. It's like this is joke that Chris Rock said. He said he was talking to his kids and he said, Listen, he's talk telling his daughters, he's like, when you step out that door, nobody gives a shit about you. And some people in this house don't even give a shit about you. 
<laughs> Let me see. Joseph says, so weird. I get the same motivation too. Wish me luck. Being an ISO and administrator of a system too. It's crazy the amount of work. Super motivated though. Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. You're getting great experience, man. All the all the stuff you're gonna do with implementing security controls, if you're doing working with the SCAP tools, the SCC tool, the Stig viewer, all that stuff, man. Put that on your resume. All that stuff. Put that on your resume. Every time you deal with, if you write a policy, if you help write a policy, the whole process is, it's it's in high demand, and there's not a lot of people doing it. And if you can wield both, it's like a, you're a dual, it's like you're wielding swords in two hands. It, it's a superpower. You're going to learn writing, technical writing. This, and it's a lot of things, I, I didn't know this. A lot of purely IT people who want to be locked in a closet and that's all they want to do is script writing or they just want to configure a server or configure a router or stuff. And I know you meet these kind of people. But they don't have the skills to communicate. But you as an ISO are going to have to learn those skills. You're going to have to learn with difficult people. You're going to have to learn with you're going to have to learn how to communicate with two or three different tiers of people in your organization, including C-level execs, management, technical people, other asshole cybersecurity people. You're going to have to work with the customers sometimes. You have to speak four or five different languages. These other guys locked in a closet don't have to communicate much. You do. So that soft skill, man, is something extremely valuable. And one of these days, you're going to be looking back and be like, man, Bruce was right, man. This, this skill is really valuable. I'm telling you. So, and your, your skills are being sharpened every time you do this job. And then also, you have to know how to translate the technical solutions to a to the business functionality. And that's another thing that a lot of IT guys don't see the big picture. They All they do is work on their little thing. And they're a little widget, their little configuration, and then that's it, that's their whole world. As cybersecurity people, we have to look at the big picture of the organization. How does this control impact the rest of our organization? That's what we have to focus on. So we're constantly having to take this solution and apply it to this system this technical solution how does it apply here are the security controls implemented we have to constantly think be thinking of the big picture and and that right there is, is sharpening your skills to be on a whole different level from for most people because most most it people as smart as they are they can't do this they can't do what you're about to do a lot of and i noticed like some of my some of my close friends who are brilliant some i look up to these people they're brilliant troubleshooting minds like they're so good they were it's like they're born with a router in their hand when they came out of the womb they're so smart but they can't communicate with people they don't have good emotional intelligence and as a as an iso you're gonna learn you have to have good emotional intelligence you have to have it if you don't if you did catch you slipping let them catch you slipping in a in a in a c-level exec uh, I've done it before. You don't want to be that guy, man. You don't want to be about to present to a C-level exec and be unprepared. You don't want to be that guy. So what you'll do is you'll prepare the next time. You fail, you fall one good time in front of a C-level exec and they cancel. They You stumble and they're like, you know what, let's talk about this later when you're ready. And then click, 
you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> let that happen a couple times to you. you. I bet you won't let it happen again. Like you're going to sharpen up your skills to where you go in that meeting and everybody's like listening to you like, like you came off the mountain with a tablet with Ten Commandments. You know what I mean? Like you're going to be ready. Axiom says, Bruce, uh, when do you when do you add when do you add new skills you've learned to your resume? Do you just add it to once you are confident in defending it in an interview? Um, I can only tell you my own personal and this is let me okay, so I've recently been interviewing. Um, so far I've done two interviews. Um, and one of them went really good and one of them didn't go so well. Oh, well, I can't say it went, it didn't go well, but I'm not going to get that job. Uh, so in the first one, I had, I was ready because all my skill, all the skills that they wanted pertain to security compliance. Like, have you ever done a plan of action and milestone? Okay. How did you do it? How do you deal with difficult customers? Um, Things like that, like uh, how, okay, can you tell me about the steps of the risk management framework process, like stuff that I can, off the top of my head, just go. All that stuff, all those skills are listed in my resume. Now, in the second interview, I didn't know, I wouldn't have even applied for it had I known it was what it was, but it was, it was mostly incident response, which I can do, vulnerability management, which I can do, but it's not my, that's not my world you know what i mean like i usually work with vulnerability management people but i have not ran say the wsus patch server on it that's the guy that they were looking for and i said you know that's not me was that on my resume as a skill now i think that they picked up on the fact that i do have vulnerability management on my resume so it's on there However, I don't have like WSUS server on there. You know, I put personally, this is why I don't lie on my resume. Now there's some like debate on whether or not you should. For me, I don't think you should. And, this, and here's the reason why, because I don't want to be hired at a place where they think I'm going to be running the show on this floor, especially with my experience. Like I'm going to be running the show at this and I don't even know how to do this. Like, for example, the, the VM work the vulnerability management they were looking for somebody to come in there and start running vulnerability patches on and i've never done that before and so i flat out told them no i i have never i interact a lot with the vulnerability management team and i've done it in the private sector and the public sector working for nasa working for you know federal organizations the department of defense army i've worked with the vulnerability management team in the private sector, I've done the same thing. But how I ran? No, I haven't. I have not done that before. So I put the skills that I know I can speak to for me. Like if I can speak to it, just like I'm talking to you guys, then I'll put it on my resume. If it's sometimes what I'll do is I'll say I'm familiar with it. Like, for example, Splunk. I've never worked with Splunk. I've not done it in a large environment. Have I played with it? Yeah, I've played with it before, but I know what they need. They need a dude who's in, been in an environment of a hundred or more systems pulling in logs. No, I haven't done that. So when they ask me, have you used Splunk before? I'm like, no, I'm familiar with Splunk. What I'm an expert at and have put together and have uh, done all of the administration for it and actually installed it and stuff is ArcSight. 
Arcsite Seam. I've done that one before. Now, as you know, Arcsite is different. It's a whole different. It's owned by completely different companies. So if I had to touch it again, it'd be totally different. But I know I could pick it up very fast. And I was able to write content for that system. Um, could I do it for Splunk? I'm sure I would, but it would take me time. That's what I do. I just say, look, I'm familiar with Seam technology, right? And then if they ask me, well, do you know Splunk? Like, I'm familiar with Splunk. I would be able to pick it up very quickly because I did work with Arcsite for three years straight. But have I worked with it for a year to two, three years? No, I haven't. I haven't. I'm very blunt and very forthcoming with them because I do not want to be caught in a position where I get in there and they're like, okay, we've got this new dude who's going to come in, drop him off a helicopter and be this IT uh, Navy SEAL, you know, I don't want them to think that I don't want I want to manage their expectations as much as possible So if you don't feel come to answer your question if you don't feel comfortable putting that on your resume Then don't if you can't speak to it. This is what I do if I cannot speak to that thing If I don't have nothing to say about it. I won't even put it on there like um, Rapid 7 like I've Messed around with it, but not enough to where I would put it on my resume like I've messed around with it but I would not put that on my resume because I'm not I can't speak to it like I Nessus yes um, Qualys yes ready seven that's a network scanner by the way I would not personally because I can't I just I have nothing to say about it you know and one of my organizations I worked with we did have rapid seven there but I didn't I'm not familiar enough to say oh yeah you know I've, I, I would just tell them my experience, but it's not on my resume because I don't really want to speak to it. But if they bring it up, then I'll tell them. Uh, somebody said incident re reports. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Thanks. No problem, man. Uh, Joseph says, I'm having a, a meeting with the PM, with my PM to discuss an increase. Any tips? Um, the only new added responsibilities is being an ISO of a, a few systems. Um, the way I figure it, Joseph, is going in with the mindset of going with the mindset of um, if they put you in this position, they really need somebody in the ISO position. Um, going with the mindset that it's it's not going to kill you to ask. It's not going to kill you to ask, right? I mean, the worst thing that they can say is no. But keep this in mind, Joseph. They say no. And in six months time, when you've got some solid uh, risk management framework under your belt, if you if you choose to, you can put your resume out there and I guarantee you it's going to be a whole different story because somebody else is going to offer you more money. Now, if this if this organization has the brains to say, you know what, we just gave Joseph this other hat, we better give him a little bit more money because he's he might leave right and we know ISO's tough work um, my my advice to you is number one do it ask um, number two some of the things that you can say is that and this is true you could say you know boss like I this job that you guys put me in I'm I, thank you for the opportunity I really appreciate it but it's a lot more stressful than what I was doing before and as you know, I'm, I'm dual-hatted, I'm doing this, I'm working with the system security implementation, but I'm also doing the, uh, the actual risk management compliance, which includes things like working with doing way more meetings, 
essentially my work has, load has doubled or tripled or whatever the case may be. Um, that's why I feel like I, I should get a raise for this. You know, it, and if, if you guys don't want to, I understand, but this is, you got to understand this is a lot more stressful on me. And this is what I, it wasn't what I originally signed up for, but I'd be happy to continue this work if you guys were to give me a little something to think about. That's kind of the wording you could say, something like that. Just to tell them, like, number one, my workload has increased. This is a way more stressful job than what I was doing before. That right there should be enough. If they don't do it, Joseph, you have many other alternatives. Uh, because in a few months' time, when you're able to put that stuff on your resume, you put that stuff on Indeed, on LinkedIn, you're going to get offers for more money. And it's it will behoove them to take care of you now so that when you get offered more money, you won't leave because you'll be like, yeah, that's a little bit more money, but these guys try to take care of me. As opposed to saying, they gave me double the work and made, are paying me the same amount, and now these guys are offering me X percent more. I'm leaving. So, yeah, do it, number one. Bring up that they doubled your workload and it's more stressful to do information system security officer work. It is because it is. It's more stressful, Joseph. If you just started this, you, you it's more stressful because you, you get used to the stress, the level, but it's, it's definitely you, you deserve a raise for this for sure. Thanks for the encouragement. Yeah, no problem, man. No problem. I've been in that position before. As a matter of fact, when I first got into IT, that's what happened. They pushed me into the information system security role. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, long story short, now I'm, now I'm traveling the world. Um, here I am in beautiful Cebu, Philippines, and I'm going to Bali soon. I'll, I'll try to do a live from Bali too. The internet's kind of an issue sometimes, so that's why the, I just do this every now and then to take a break because it's cybersecurity is just very stressful. Right now, I'm in between jobs. If you guys are interested in traveling the world, if you guys are interested in having a remote position, because um, truthfully, I've been remote for the last six years. I've been traveling every now and then. I'll just go to another country. I'll go to another state, do a staycation, and work from that other state, work from Las Vegas. I work, go to Las Vegas, work during the day on a Monday, that evening go out to the casinos. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of stuff. If you're interested in that, go to combocourses.com and look for uh, finding remote work. And that, that will um, help you to figure out. Basically, I'm telling you what I did to find remote course. Uh, that's, there's no secret to it. I just What I did was I made a course based off of how I was able to find remote positions and how I positioned myself to do it. If you're interested in that, go ahead and check out Combo Courses. Another thing, one of my best courses, in my personal opinion, is the one where I talk about marketing yourself. It's a lot of what I talk about on my website, how to market yourself, how to promote yourself, and stuff like that. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be adding more stuff to that because I just learned a whole bunch of new stuff about how to promote yourself, how to put more stuff on your resume, um, how to tweak it to where people are coming to you. This to the point where I don't really have to look for a job. Jobs look for me. People contacting me constantly. And what takes me a long time to get a job is because I'm just picky. Because I, I want a certain amount of money and I want a certain amount of Remoteness, I should say. Uh, let me see. Kamar, jo uh, Kamar Brown says, 
uh, so you don't use Wireshark or Splunk. Yeah, I've, I've used Wireshark in the past. Right now, with, with my current positions that I've had, the last job I was at was at Verizon as a cybersecurity risk consultant. And our main job was we run scan. I was a, basically I was a security control assessor. Um, we we did use Nmap uh, to scan. We used uh, things like tools like Qualys and uh, things like uh, Nessus. And we had to be very familiar with Wireshark. We have to be familiar with security tools. We have to be familiar with firewalls and some cloud technology. But do I, was I running Wireshark? Not at that position. The last time I actually used Wireshark or something like Splunk, I used ArcSight, was when I was in a cybersecurity analyst position where they have to break apart a packet or, you know, like they have to look inside of a packet of an IP packet and figure out if it's been tampered with or, or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, I hope that answers your question. Stuff I use regularly would probably be like um, on my own would be uh, VMware. I use that from time to time. I'll mess around with different technologies on VMware just to mess just to screw around with it. Um, Nmap is something that, that you you need to know like the basics of Nmap. I'd say as a cybersecurity person, that doesn't go away. Um, it helps to to know command line, uh, depending on how deep you are technically. Uh, this doesn't been an argument on Twitter. I think it was saying, oh, every cybersecurity person has to know coding. I wouldn't say that. I mean, not every cybersecurity person is is super technical. So like hands-on technical, I should say. So I would, I would disagree with that unless your argument is that an information system security person is not a cybersecurity person, which I would personally disagree with. If you're saying, because some people say, well, a compliance person is not a cybersecurity person and a cybersecurity person is not a compliance person, is not an information security officer person. I don't agree with that. I think that cybersecurity is a huge umbrella and you have all of these branches underneath. And not only do you need to know different levels of, of technical know-how, but also you have to know different skill sets. Like there's some people who are network security people who are very deep on all things networking. They might know voice over IP to, uh, security features. They might know uh, video over IP security features on I don't know, Palo Alto technologies opposed to Juniper. And I wouldn't know any of that stuff. I'm not a network security person. I used to do that in the past. But even if I did, I, would, I, don't, I don't even go that deep in it. And then there's other people on the whole other side of the spectrum who do forensics. And those dudes have to be smart on forensics tools and some of the laws associated with forensics uh, practices. Because there's laws that control that whole stuff. All of those things are under cybersecurity uh, the umbrella of cybersecurity. So do you need to know Wireshark? Not necessarily because you might not ever touch that stuff. You might be on a whole different spectrum of this of this cybersecurity umbrella. So just my two cents about it. Um, have you worked with Exacta? No, but I know what Exacta is, Sterling. Uh, so Exacta, for those of you guys who don't know, is a it's a GRC tool. GRC stands for Governance, Compliance, and Risk, and it it um, it's like a database that collects 
it can collect a lot of things actually. Um, I was gonna say compliance stuff like the security controls and implementation statements, but also you can upload artifacts into it. That means evidence that you've complied with. I don't know identification and authenticate. Like you, you've complied with uh, rules for say password protection or something like that or logs yes we have the logs here's evidence of a sample log that we pulled from this database here it is right here you know uh, but it also can do vulnerability management like it can store vulnerability management stuff throughout your organization i think it can also store a little bit of com uh, configuration management stuff too if i'm not mistaken that's exacta but i personally i've not used exacta i've used a little bit of emas um, a lot of homegrown stuff, um, a lot of homegrown, the Air Force used to have their own homegrown um, GRC tool. The one I'm most familiar with, that I have the most experience with is Archer. Um, R RSA Archer is the one I'm probably most familiar with, um, but an EMAS. But exact, exact is a great tool though. I mean, I've, I've seen it in, in, in working. Like once you've seen one, they kind of all, they're pretty much the same. Uh, JP says selection of controls. Selection of controls are based off of two main factors: the impact categorization and the risk assessment. I wouldn't disagree with that because the risk assessment is going to tell you things like the environment, what is in your environment, uh, and then it's going to tell you what technologies are there. So, um, so the selection of security controls is where you are. It's it's a part of the process where you are tailoring the controls to fit that particular uh, the, that particular system's architecture because all systems are not made equal. Every system is different, right? So you can't just have one size fits all for control sets. So if you have a high level system, it's going to be very different from a low level system. Like this low level system is going to have different controls than the this high level system and what JP is saying is that um, you're going to look at what is the the categorization of the controls was the categorization like is it high or low and then also once you do the risk assessment you might discover oh damn we have wireless here or that wouldn't be something you would discover with a, a risk well no you yeah your risk assessment the risk assessment is going to tell you not just what you scanned. I mean, it's going to be when you walked around, you saw, okay, we have wireless here. Where do we have it at this site? Where do we have it at this site? What's the physical security look like? Do we need this kind of physical security? We need fences here because it's close to this other organization or whatever. So, yeah, I would, I totally agree with that, JP. Great, great point. Uh, Edward says, thanks, Bruce. Currently with Salesforce. Uh, cybersecurity PM, your videos got me through the secure securing another job. Wow, man! Congrats, congrats! I'm glad. I'm really glad to to help help out. Glad those videos were helpful. Uh, minimum and tailoring baselines are directly from the impact categorization. Once the risk assessment is performed, you can close the gap with supplemental controls. That's a great great point that I missed on the first part of this conversation that's a great that's a great great point because how do you risk assessment the reason why it's so important is because how do you know what controls you need or don't need if you don't know what you have risk assessment is the eyes and ears of the organization it's looking at 
everything to do an impact analysis of that system. So that is an awesome point because a risk assessment is going to say, okay, we have, did you guys know we have this system over here? Because sometimes you'd be surprised how especially large organizations don't even know what they have. If you don't really know what you have, think about it. How can you safeguard something? How can you protect something you don't even know if you have it? Large organizations, sometimes they don't know. They don't even know they have certain servers. They're sitting out here because there's been some turnover and a whole new group of people come in. They didn't even know we had Mac systems in the in the environment. Now, you with the risk assessment, you can say, okay, we have Mac systems. We have these servers here. We have these legacy systems here. We have this or we have that. Or we have HIPAA stuff. Oh, we have HIPAA. Now we have to apply these HIPAA, additional HIPAA supplemental controls or whatever. Right? That's what you mean, right, JP? The great point. Great point. I should have brought that one up. That's, yeah. I just brought up the environment. But you would, how do you know the environment without a risk assessment? So, great, great point. All right, guys. I've been talking for about an hour. I'm going to try to do these. Um, I'm going to try to do another one uh, soon. My internet's not great here. So, and just so you guys know, if you're coming into this late, I'm in another country. I'm in the Philippines right here. Um, my, my second family's over here. Um, I, I love this place. This place has become like a, a second home to me. I actually have, I have businesses and real estate and all kinds of stuff over here. So um, this is a place I come to just chill, be next to the beach. I'm in line, Normally I live in landlocked places that are very dry. It's great to have, come to the, another part of the world that's open and di whole different mindset. And uh, so Southeast Asia has been a place that I come a lot. I'd love to travel to other countries, but this place I know so well that I, you know. Um, anyway, thank you so much for watching me. I appreciate everybody. If you guys didn't know, I have another book out. Go to Amazon, type in Risk uh, uh, RMF ISO, and you'll see my, my new book that's dealing with security controls. It's out there right now. Go ahead and check it out. And, and all you guys who gave me reviews early on when this dollar was, when this, book was two dollars i haven't forgotten about you i'm going to be sending you out a pdf really soon thank you so much for your support it's because of you guys that i'm able to actually pursue my dreams of being a writer i really appreciate all you guys um you, you guys have a great impact on my life a very positive impact um also i've got the security uh security controls assessor course that's out right now at 200 bucks go ahead and check it out on combocourses.com price is going to go up i'm going to be releasing different blocks of it as we go along got some stuff that's in the works it's about to be released real soon um i've got the audio book coming out real soon the audio book for the security controls book is it's done but it has to be approved by audible first i'm trying to make it so that i can release it to you guys through an mp3 i don't know if you might be interested in an mp3 downloadable that you can bypass uh, amazon altogether um i think that's about it i've got some other stuff coming but it, i'm just gonna take me a, some time to actually do those things thank you guys for watching i appreciate everybody i'll talk to you guys soon